0: Thanks, Claire, very much. Can I add uh, my thanks and appreciation to you for uh, being here so early and i anticipate that you'll be here through to the afternoon i appreciate the knock on effect that has getting the kids here this early uh, you'll get them home they'll be hyper and you'll still have homework to do some of you have work to do to get ready for tomorrow morning and that'll be knocked on because of your time here the, this morning and this afternoon so uh, we understand that and really appreciate the uh, the commitment that you're expressing simply by being here uh, today so here we go then this morning, in the next half an hour, I want us just to think about uh, having an honest look at where we are as a church. And uh, some opening comments from me as we get underway. And, and the main comment as we kick off this morning is to acknowledge together that today is really hard. The longer that you've been involved in church life, and the more that you have given and committed and sacrificed to see church flourish, the harder you may find today. I've been in church in one way or another all of my life. Most of my professional life has been about seeing the church flourish. Indeed, most of my private life, if you understand that term, my, my life outside of my working hours is also about seeing church flourish. I really do understand how hard it is for us to think about some of the things that we're going to think about today. It's hard for a number of reasons. It's hard firstly because of something that isn't true. That isn't true. The moment that you hear anybody start thinking about something new or different, Our default reaction usually is to feel like the past and everything about it is somehow being rubbished or undermined or or being told it's not good enough and and not right. We need to understand this morning that today is nothing about that whatsoever. This church has a really good heritage. Heritage. We have known so many good things together, even in our recent history, and so much blessing. If today you hear the whisper of the enemy that, oh, they're saying everything's wrong, then rebuke that little thought because that's not what we're saying at all today. But it's easy to fall into that temptation of kind of throwing our hands up and saying, oh, it's all been wrong. The second reason that it might be really hard is because of something that is true. It isn't working in the way that we want it to. And I'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But I don't want to underestimate how hard that is for those of us who've given our time, our energy, our commitment and sacrificed in so many ways to begin to look at the hard reality that it's not working in the way we long for and the way that we hope for. And it's not that what we've been doing is wrong. In fact, much of what we've been doing is so good. If there is anything that's been wrong, it's been about the things that we haven't done, the things that might be missing, the emphases that we've lost a little along the way. The key word today is and. We want to take and celebrate and thank God for every good thing that we have as a church and say, what might we need to add to that in order for us to become more of what God has for us? I think it's also hard, if I'm honest, because it I don't think it matters what churches you've been in almost all of us will have had the same experience. We've all been in churches that have followed this same pattern. There's been a dominant event on Sunday that draws everybody together and there have been extra... Auxiliary, ancillary, additional meetings throughout the week for different groups of people that support the central coming together. That's the only model of church probably all of us in this room have ever known. So to think that there might be some new things to see is really hard. And to be honest with you, if, can I be honest a little bit today? Would I be all right? If I can be honest with you today... I I could have said these things several years ago. I might not have articulated them in the way that I'm going to articulate them today, but what's taken me a long time to get to this place is not that I haven't understood it, but because emotionally I found it so hard to engage with it. Because this is all I know. Do you understand me? And so the thought there might be something else is unsettling, is unnerving. And I'd rather believe that if we just kept doing a bit more of what we knew, then what we hoped for would come to fruition. So I I understand the hardness, the pain, the challenge, the unsettling, the uncertainty. I've done that journey for at least two and a half years now. And so I understand so much of how some of the things today might cause us to feel a little unsettled about what we're talking about. And so we trust in the God who does not change and the God who's always with us even to the end of the age. Is that all right? Can you trust in the God that's always with you even if your minister goes AWOL? Is that all right? Trust in him? Okay, so let's just think about what we might be saying when we start articulating uh, the problem. I want to begin by thinking about the problem from a, a pragmatic point of view. Quite simply, it's not working. Now, your initial reaction to that, I don't know what it is, your initial reaction to that might be, but it is working, isn't it? Church is generally full on a Sunday. Most church meetings welcome in new members. Both of those things are true, and we thank God for that every single day. So what do we mean when we begin to say it's not working? Well, over the last uh, say 15, 16 years. I only talk about the time that I've been here. That's not to suggest for a moment there hasn't been a history before that. But I can only talk about what I what I know. Since since that time, our membership has only increased very, very, very slightly. Okay, that's too exaggerated, just for you to see it. Okay, our membership is more or less the same as it was uh, 15, 16 years ago. But I remember, I remember, and maybe you do too, some of the church meetings that we shared together early on. When I was saying that if we look at the demographic of our church, if nothing happens, this will certainly happen. That was the likely scenario for us, simply because of the age and the demographic graphic of the of the uh, congregation. So this represents our growth, uh, and at some stages, I was talking about the need for us to grow at about 15% just for us to stand still. So we have grown, we have grown quite significantly, although that hasn't resulted in a significant increase in our membership. And the way that we've grown has been in fits and starts, as you would imagine, we've kind of gone up a bit, tailed off a bit, gone up a bit, tailed off a bit, gone up a bit, tailed off a bit. And I have the privilege of meeting personally with everyone who becomes a member of our church. The privilege of doing a membership course where I I meet them again over perhaps two or three different opportunities and more times besides... And I'm always interested to find out what it is that's drawn people, what it is about this church that caused them to think about becoming a member here. And there are three things that come up time and time and time again. People are kind enough to say that the music is helpful for them. People are kind enough to say that the welcome they receive is helpful to them. And people are kind enough to say that the teaching that they receive is helpful for them also. Those are the three main things that come up over and over and over again. And I'm encouraged by that, because over the last 15 or so years, we've tried to make the music more accessible. We've moved from Radio 4, maybe Radio 3, to Radio 2. Uh, as, a, as a broad way of trying to make it more accessible for people. Those who listen to Radio 1 think Sunday morning is well weird and out of date. Those of you who listen to Radio 3 think that what's happening on Sunday is really weird. Okay, so we've pitched it in the middle in order to become more broadly accessible to people we've done a lot over the years about increasing our welcome. What it feels like for people coming into the building. We built a new building. What it feels like for for people finding a seat for the first time. When people need to know information and so on with the website and the service sheet and so on. So we've thought a lot about the welcome. Uh, and uh, the teaching, well, you can make your own comments about that, but I do my best week by week to give you something to think about and engage with from God's word. Uh, and so, we've, in response to that, we've seen people come and say, I like the music, and I like the teaching, I like the and so on, and so forth. But there are two major problems now, I think, with this. The first major problem is I'm not too sure, unless Andrew decides to sit grade one, whether we can increase the music Much. You know, he does his best. And Dave blows into that thing, he does his best as well. I mean, 10 out of 10 for effort, wouldn't you say? Yeah, go on. We can always make our welcome better. But we're working really hard at it. And in the end, are we going to make our welcome so much better that people are pouring into our building, getting turned off by our lack of welcome and going away? That's not what I see happening. Although it is true that some people don't find us as welcoming as we like to think that we are. Thirdly, uh, the teaching. And uh, uh, there you are. You're stuck with what you've got with that. So the, the, uh, I can't do much about that. I can only do what I can do, okay? So... so. So, so we've done this, and to be honest, I can't think of what next. You know, we could, I could learn to juggle. You know, we could do, you know, f- flame throwing over children or something. I don't know what else we could do, okay? Now, that's the first problem with this. The second problem with this is much more significant. What's What's this all been about? No, no, no. Well, it has. Both of those things are true. But it's all been about... Christians, heard about them? Okay, the people that are interested in the music and the teaching and the welcome are usually people that are Christians already. So this growth is almost exclusively caused by existing Christians. Not not completely, okay? So um, let's not push these things to absolutes or extremes. But generally, the growth has been caused by Christians. Now, Let's think about some of these things on um, uh, on the screen here. For all of our effort, and this church puts in a colossal amount of effort, agreed? Uh, you guys are brilliant. Sacrifice and commitment way up there, okay? Huge amount of effort. All we've managed to achieve is to attract some Christians. That's the reality generally of our story over the last number of years. When we come to Easter Sunday or we come to our Christmas events, we really know how to put on a good event. You remember the Christmas service? See, I thought that cardboard test me thing was absolutely fantastic. It's uh, had the biggest number of hits by a mile on our YouTube channel. It was fantastic. So people come to that amazing event that we think is everything that it could be, and for a local church, we couldn't do much better, I don't think of putting on those kind of events. It's what we do best. People come out of that service and they consistently say to me two things. And the same is true of other services like like that. First thing they say is that you've got a lovely church. Ah, oh, that's nice. Thank you. Got love. Not sure what they mean, but they tell me I've got a lovely church. So I, I just regard that as I'm lucky because I've got a lovely church. Second thing they say is that was very... In the words of Gavin and Stacey? Emotional, actually. <laughs> very emotional. That was very emotional. Not sure what they mean by that. It certainly wasn't lovely enough for them to come back next week. Certainly wasn't emotional enough for anything in their lives to change. What they never talk about is that it helped them to connect with God in any way. What we do, however nice it is, whatever experience it gives for people, it does not connect with the people that we long for it to connect with. So what about our evangelistic events? Those moments in the life of our church when we go, well, perhaps we're not reaching people in other ways, but this event, this moment is specifically designed in order to help people come to faith. Well, we've really struggled with those, and Julie's going to come and talk a little bit about that struggle Because she's been involved in writing some of these courses, certainly leading them, and so on. And, oh, you've got a microphone. That's brilliant.
1: Um, Yeah, so as Simon says, um, I've been in the role here for a a few years now, probably about four or five. And um, I've been involved in leading and running lots of evangelistic events. Uh, courses like Start and Christianity Explored, and more recently Puzzling Questions. And um, what happens on these things is that we run for about six to ten weeks, depending on the course. We get people to come along. Uh, there's some kind of, you know, refreshments. Uh, we do some kind of presentation, and then there's a discussion within the group. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I love doing these events. I really love doing these things. I love it when you get talking to people and they're asking you all these difficult questions. I love it when you have to thrash out where people are with God. I love it. I love it when the lights begin to come on. I love it when people understand what grace is about for the first time. I really, really love doing these things. But as Simon says, in the past few years, I've been beginning to think that there's something not quite right. And uh, I think we've got a few problems. And as we're being honest today, I'm going to share some of those problems with you. The first thing that I've noticed is the number of people that we actually get to come on these courses. Now, when we do these, I advertise them. I ask you guys to invite your friends to come along. I invite people. And over the time, we get, probably on average between two and five people to come on these things. Now it's not like we're doing this just, you know, all the time. We're doing this maybe at most twice a year and all we can manage between us is between two and five people to come on these courses. I wonder why that is. Secondly, one of the problems I think is that it's really labour intensive to do this kind of thing. I mean, putting something like that on takes a massive effort from everybody involved, from the team of people involved. It involves praying, making cakes, booking rooms, preparing the the talks, the discussions, the emotional outlay that you give doing something like this, the tidying up, the supporting of leaders. And that's not to mention the massive spiritual battle that you find raging around you when you do something like this. It's really hard work. Now, I'm not scared of a bit of hard work, and I've already told you that I love doing these things, but I have to be honest, and as Simon said, you know, it's a day to be honest, I ended my sabbatical last year absolutely exhausted, spiritually, emotionally, and physically exhausted, and it's not not the only reason these courses, but that certainly contributed to it actually, more importantly than either of those things, I think, is that somehow we seem to have got things the wrong way round. You see, these courses operate on the idea that if we get people to come to us, we explain the gospel to them, they'll understand it, and then they'll, they'll want to follow Jesus. Now, um, I think that's true for some people, for people who are already involved in our community, who know us, who are already on some kind of spiritual journey, it's a good thing and and that can be true. But there are actually lots of other people who aren't particularly that involved with us who can come on these things and then what? What happens to those kind of people at the end? Well, for those people who decide to follow Jesus at the end of the course, I think one of two things happens. Sometimes people who are already involved here will join us on a Sunday, might uh, join a small group, and there are a number of you sitting around here that I can see. But you are very, you are a really tiny number of people that that's happened to. There are other people who have decided to follow Jesus who maybe have tried coming here on a Sunday and have found it really difficult. For whatever reason, they find coming here on a Sunday strange. They don't seem to fit in. They don't really engage with people. They haven't got anybody to talk to, and they drift off. And there are a number of those people out there. And you know what? I would love to be able to, to keep in contact with those people personally. I would love to be able to do that. But, well, I can't, can I? Because I'm off doing the next thing. There's something not quite right there. And what about the people who don't cross that line, whatever you want to call it? What happens to them? What happens if they're still full of questions or, or, you know, they're just not quite there yet? And as I said, I'd love to stay in contact with these people, but personally, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's really difficult to invest all that emotional, spiritual energy into people for six to ten weeks and then nothing to happen. That's really hard. The last course that I ran before I went on sabbatical um, was a group of entirely men. Now, it wasn't planned that way. It just kind of happened. And I ended up with a group of three, maybe four men on and off, and me, um, which was interesting in all sorts of ways. And, And a couple of the guys that came along were... What I'd like to call really ardent atheists. Um, and it was a very lively and interesting time that we had together. But what happened to them afterwards? Of course, I couldn't, you know, stay in close relationship with them. That wouldn't be appropriate. And, and do you know what? I think we really failed those guys, if I'm honest. I think they didn't actually need another course. I found out that these guys, Seriously, consume these kind of courses. They go around churches going to these courses in order to, well, they've got their agenda. But I've come to realize from these guys a couple of things about what, we're, what we seem to be doing wrong. And um, we, I would, I would do a talk and then for a bit we'd talk about the thing I wanted to talk about and then they would take the conversation back to what they wanted to talk about. And it struck me that Running these courses seems to be about our agenda. We think we can impose our agenda on people during these courses. Um, so I think we really failed these guys. I think they actually needed something else. I think they needed, you know, Christians, a community of Christians to get around them, to get to know them, to, to show the gospel in action, to help them to bring those walls down, because those walls uh, were huge. And I'm really troubled by the fact that I, you know, that I think we failed. Um, because I've put a lot of energy and, and love and what have you into these things. You know, if I thought that, you know, by standing on the street corner and shouting the gospel at people would bring them to Jesus, I would do that. Um, if I thought that we could pack Portman Road full of people and 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 tell them the gospel, put on a big event, and they would follow him, I would do that. And if I thought that, you know, if we could get all our friends here and do the courses with them, they would follow Jesus, I would do that. Seriously, I would do that. But I don't actually think it's that simple. Um, or maybe we've made it more complicated than it really is. I think it might be more simple than we think it is. Um, I think we're missing something vital.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Julie, very much. I think one of the, one of the problems that, uh, about what we're talking about this morning is that these things have worked much more successfully than they are doing now. There's certainly been all kinds of success around some things that are struggling to work. And th- those churches that have really helped us become successful In our current model, like Willow Creek and Saddleback, Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and those guys... They're all making this journey as well and discovering that the idea of putting on an event and putting on courses will achieve what we want to achieve, that that day is slipping past us. So if you look at Willow Creek's uh, Christmas uh, campaign, I think it was last year, it might have been the year before, was just Christmas. It was all about getting out of the building and engaging with the community, a very, very different style to what they had been used to in the past. Apollo 13 was the seventh manned mission in the Apollo space program. It was the third to attempt to land on the moon. Two days in, disaster struck, you'll remember, immortalized by the words, Houston, we have a problem. When something broke and the capsule in which the astronauts were was about to run out of air in a matter of hours. We need to think how NASA responded to the problem as we watch this clip.
2: You're telling me you can only give our guys 45 hours? That brings them to about there. Gentlemen, that's not acceptable. Gene, Gene, you about power here. Whoa, whoa, guys, yeah. power, power is thing. everything. I- power is everything. What do you mean? Without it, they don't talk to us, they don't correct their trajectory, they don't turn the heat shield around. I... We gotta turn everything off. Now. They're not gonna make it to re-entry. What do you mean, everything? With everything on, the LEM draws 60 amps. At that rate, in 16 hours, the batteries are dead, not 45. And so's the crew. We got to get them down to twelve amps. Oh, 12 12. amps. How many? You can't, run, you can't run a vacuum cleaner on twelve amps, John. You we have to turn off the radars, cabin heater, instrument displays, the guidance computer, the whole smack. Whoa, guidance what computer. Well, what if they need to do another burn, Gene? They won't even know which way they're pointed. The more time we talk down here, the more juice they waste up there. I've been looking at the data for the past hour. That's the deal. That's the deal. <sighs> okay, John. And then we finish the burn we'll power down the limb all right now in the meantime we're gonna have a frozen command module up there in a couple days we're gonna have to power it up using nothing but the re-entry batteries never been tried before hell we've never even simulated it before gene well we're gonna have to figure it out i want people in our simulators working re-entry scenarios I want you guys to find every engineer who designed every switch, every circuit, every transistor, and every light bulb that's up there. Then I want you to talk to the guy in the assembly line who actually built the thing. Find out how to squeeze every amp out of both of these goddamn machines. I want this mark all the way back to Earth with time to spare. We never lost an American in space. We're sure as hell not going to lose one on my watch. Failure is not an option. I want to be part
0: of a church like that that when we realise that our backs are against the wall, when we realise that we're running out of air, to use that metaphor, that we'll do everything in our power to respond to the situation that's facing us. But one of the dangers is, is if this is all we talk about, is that we might end up taking our cue from our culture so the, the, the environment in which we are has changed. People don't connect with church anymore, and so we've got to change. The danger with that is that we might be in danger of becoming a church made in the image of the culture. Can you see that? If we let the culture set the agenda, then I think we might be in trouble. The clue was in that clip. Get the people that made this stuff. Get the people that built it. Get the people who know how it works from the inside out. And that's what we need to do. We need to go back, well, to where? Hey, We're Bible people, aren't we? And you can cheer a bit more now. We're Jesus people, aren't we? And so when uh, I was going through all this turmoil about, about what kind of church connects, what kind of church works, along with so many others asking that same question, we began to go back to Jesus and many were ahead of me in this journey. Now going back to Jesus and trying to unpack the things that he stood for, the principles that he offered us. And that's what I want to spend the next part of our day thinking about. As we go back to Jesus, what does it mean to be a church that takes its cue from Jesus? It's not working. What does Jesus say about what we could be doing? that might help us understand why it's not working. So we want to look at the problem from a point of principle. And as I'll show, I think, it's not as much like Jesus, that is what we do here, as much like Jesus as we or I would like to think. See, I would like to think that the kind of things that we do as a church is all about what Jesus would want. And that's why it's hard. Because as I started to go back... There seemed to be this gap between Jesus and the things we did at church. And just the two, two of them, we're so event and program driven, and Jesus was all about relationships, and almost everything we do is in here, and almost everything he did was out there. And it caused me to ask some big questions about what might it mean to take our cue from Jesus, who said in the end, come, follow Me, Remember that from a few sermons ago, which meant he was taking the role of a rabbi to a disciple. Come and do what I am doing. Come and be who I am. That was the invitation. One final clip.
3: Sometimes we need to shatter the old, even if it's all we've ever known. For years, many churches have adopted the attractional model, where if you build it, they will come. We sang that it only takes a spark to get a fire going, and our fire was the church. So we break the bank to prop up our buildings and programs. But the lost still aren't coming. So now, we must live among them in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, everywhere. It'll require much more of us, more than friendly smiles for an hour on Sunday. And is about being a missional church, releasing incarnational people into the world. Yet it's also about coming together, to refresh, to regroup, To renew our collective calling to change the world. As Jesus encouraged us to imagine like a child, we need to reclaim the courage to be scattered. It's time to explode the status quo. To break free from religion. To discover the adventure of missionary life. To learn how to fly. And together, build a gathered and scattered church.